Hello everybody, it's Andy here. Hope you're doing well and thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. We have another special guest today and today's guest is an elite golf coach. He's also an inventor and a very serious student of the game. He really has spent a lot of time studying things like kinematics, kinetics, ball flight data, as well as human behavior. And what we love about today's guest is that he really looks at coaching the person, the individual, not just technique, because we know there's so much more involved to actually playing this game better than just technique. And he's actually designed a unique coaching philosophy that has evolved from a lifetime of researching elite level performance and today he shares his four pillars to performance system to help you work at the right areas of your game to see the maximum improvement. We actually ran over on this podcast, so we've decided to actually split it up because we dived into short game as well. So make sure you stay tuned for that next week. Okay, let's get into today's podcast. So without further ado, please welcome Dan Frost. Okay, Dan, welcome to the podcast. How are you, mate? Hey, I'm really, really good, yeah been absolutely fantastic fantastic christmas and yeah just now excited about the new year and you know the the opportunities that are ahead in 2002 good yeah well we're, we're in between that christmas period and um a new year my day today is uh, i'm actually going to be i've done it in my journal this morning i'm going to be reflecting on 2021 and then setting some goals for 2022 um and that sort of leads into i suppose the podcast today really the the podcast today is designed to help the listeners to um, I suppose to get the best out of their golf for 2022 and how can they, um, you know, avoid the mistakes, do the right things and ultimately get results that they've maybe never got before. So let's let's start there really in terms of, um, let's say, I mean, the listeners, this, they're going to range in handicaps. You're going to have some single figures. You're going to have some in the 20s, may even have some beginners. Um, but let's say we've got a, an 18 handicapper um looking to to get better next year and go right i'm really determined to have a great year i want to get down to whatever is their goals are how should they how should they start in, in terms of where should they first look and go right i'm going to make a start on doing this because most golfers are thinking about the wrong things working at the wrong areas of the game what should be the starting point for them really to go right this is this is where i'm going to start in order to really make this your best year yet I think it's a really, a really, really good point. I, I mean, I've spent probably the last 15 years of of my life, you know, this time of year, sitting down with very talented kids, very talented amateurs, professionals, you know, looking to, you know, where are the areas where we can gain? You know, it's a great time for reflection. You know, when we end one one period and we move into another, it's often a great opportunity to to really realign yourself, to find a new focus, to find a different way. Um, I, I think, I think for me, really, success leaves clues. You know, we look uh, at some of the the known principles from the past, the things that work for average golfer, work for a good golfer, and you know, we pick the bits and we adapt them to ourselves. But the first thing to do is really to look at yourself and say, what does my system look like? You know, I often say to people, you know, if you're a business, you know, what's your forecast this year? How do you how do you look? What are you what are you planning? Where is your attention? Where are you putting your energy? And I think one of the first things I would say is first bit of advice given to me a long, long time ago, because nothing's new. It's all interpretation um, is it's not just effort and energy. You know, it's it's I read a book a little while ago. I can't remember the name of the author, but it was about the clock and the compass. You probably read it, Andy, at some stage. And it, it was really about the idea of it's not just the time that you put in, but it's which direction you point your compass. And I would say to guys, look, you start with the low-hanging fruit. You know, where are your skills inadequate? You know, where do they cause you grief, stress, pain? Um, not just looking at your stats and trying to look at your stroke gains, et cetera, where it will allude to certain things, but just go with your feelings and your thoughts. You know, really look at where you're nervous, where you know you're not looking forward to this situation, and then do some study. You know, get some advice, get some help, get somebody to upskill you in that particular area and that's kind of the low hanging fruit i would really start start there so you know if you're a nervous pitcher nervous chipper without neglecting the rest of your game but try and have a look under the bonnet and go well what's actually going wrong here you know is it my conceptual awareness do i actually know what i'm doing or am i faking it has somebody actually showed me how to do this is it the fact that i'm just overwhelmed with nervousness and anxiety do I need to chill myself, change my state around this particular skill? Or what is it? And 
you know, you might not come up with a perfect answer straight away, but at least your attention's in the right direction. You're looking at upskilling something that is going to have a positive effect on your scores. And your score is going to have a positive effect on how you feel, your enjoyment of the game, your excitement, your arousal, you know, all, all the reasons that, you know, you get to Wednesday and you're thinking about your, your four-born Saturday morning. Mm. I think that, I think the that, problem, you're absolutely right with this, Dan, because if we think about what golfers are very good at, golfers are very good at practicing what they're good at. They don't go and practice what they don't like because if you've only got an hour a week to practice, why would you go and stand and spend this duffing pitches for an hour? <laughs> you're not yeah. going to feel pretty very good about yourself where you go, well, I'm pretty good with the seven iron. I'll, I'll go and hit that a few times. And then before you know it, that's all they're ingraining. And I really like that, that you, you know, by focusing your attention differently on what you need, it's going to make a, a difference. But yeah, sorry, carry on. I think there's kind of, you, you bang on there, I think, you know, from a perception of, it's like anything we do. You know, the, the, we, we, we find the easy route, we take the easy path. And that's normally the one that gives us satisfaction, um, you know, over productivity. And, you know, I had a, um, I was with a, a young player of mine at the um, at stage two um, just before COVID and playing ever so well. Jake Burnage, he's coming back to form now as well. And he really got himself in a state of, you know, wanting to feel good, wanting it to be perfect over the fact that, the outcome of the shot was really, really good. And he got himself wound up and at stage two, you know, made a real mess after winning stage one and, you know, doesn't, doesn't get his card. And I think that's another attention thing. You know, it's, it's our attention in the wrong area, you know, our thoughts in the wrong direction. And I think that's the first thing for me. The second thing I would say with people is, you know, I spend a lot of time at the back of, of, of European tour ranges, of elite amateur field ranges, just watching, observing. You know, I have done for a long time. And the one thing I know is that everybody's got a system. Everybody's got a way. They've figured out something that is pretty solid. And I think systems come from you standing back and going, what are all the performance traits? You know, what are the things I need to do to become a well-rounded, skillful golfer who has some enjoyment at the same time? And whether that's somebody that gets to put two hours a week, one hour a week, half an hour, you know, you can kind of sit, sit back and improve when you're in the office just by thinking and, 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 and making sure you're organized and, and ready. But the one thing I found with, with most golfers, when I stood on the range and I saw all these ball flights, I saw them all kind of hitting very, very similar trajectories, similar flights. It all looks amazingly impressive. Is you take one step back and you think, well, okay, they all swing a bit different. Yeah, there's some common factors there that, that happen. And then the thinking behind the swinging is all different. And then where they've come from, again, is completely different. Their influences are different. And then the environments they've grown up in are probably different. So they've all had this kind of journey, this pathway to get towards their system. And I think what golfers are doing is they're very much in the wrong and right camp. I'm doing stuff wrong. Now I'm doing stuff right. I'm doing stuff wrong. Now I'm doing stuff right. I think if they were to stand back and go, what is my system here? What are the things that I do to create regularity? some consistency, creativity, um, you know, they could look at it differently. And I, I always break it down into kind of four pillars, really, of, of performance. I think as human beings, we can, we can improve by just understanding what the components are. So I always think about it like this. I, I think about it how we think, feel, act, and move. So how we think is our golfing IQ, our strategic awareness, it's more into, you know, how smart are we around our sport? How aware are we of the strategies, the things I can do, the decision-making, the selections, the type of practice? Secondly is how we feel. So it's more of your emotional intelligence. You know, how, how self-aware are we? How aware are we of others? How aware are we in, uh, of environments? How you are in certain environments? You know, it's probably the biggest one really for, for golfers. You know, how, re how are we reacting in a certain, against a certain challenge? How we act is a third pillar, which is kind of our life golf, golf life relationship. And this isn't just for elite players. You know, any sport that we play, we, you know, we bring it home and then we take home to the course. It's, you know, we've got to have a great relationship with the game. And I, 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 the better the player I work with, the more that area in particular becomes more prevalent. It just becomes more and more important. And then lastly, you know, how we move, which is kind of twofold. You know, it's technical and physical. You know, do we have the technical capability to perform the skills with regularity? 
you know, at a level that, you know, pleases us on the golf course. And then physical, you know, do we have physical attributes to, to kind of become a golfing machine? Do we have the engine behind it? Something where we can be sustainable, something where, you know, we don't run out of seam, something where we have enough speed and power these days, you know, to shorten those approaches into, into the green. And is I it- guess you could, you could really look back as a, as a golfer and go, what is my think, feel, act and move? And maybe just pick one or two things in each and say, right, through this year, I will become a little smarter. I'll become a little calmer or a little more excited at the right time. I will improve my reflection of the game when I come off the course and my excitement for the game when I'm going to the course. And I'll become a little more flexible. And I'm going to create three skills where I perform them functionally at a better level. And you write that down as your whole year plan. It sounds quite a lot, but I would say in 12 months, that's, that's pretty achievable. And maybe help, you know, your resources of, you know, stuff you have online. There's plenty of resources there to upskill. There's also human interaction. You know, you go and find somebody that you like listening to, like spending time with, you know, to get a bit of one-to-one. And there's a million and one good PTs out there and, and, and good stuff online where you can improve, where you can improve physically. Mm. So that would be my take, really. Look at kind of four pillars, potentially, and, you know, try and start to make your plan from there. Just a question on those four pillars, Dan. I really like that. The, do you notice a difference in, let's say, you mentioned better players um, that feel, how they feel is more, more and more prevalent. Do you notice that um, based on ability, let's say um, 18 to 25 handicap, would be lacking a, spe- a more specific or a different pillar compared to a better player? Or would you say that that as a as a maybe not a general rule, but do you, do you notice any sort of commonalities with maybe a slightly higher handicap or where they need to focus more attention on? I think, I, I think that they're two different, they're two different beasts to a certain degree. So you've got one who is, you know, it's highly stimulated to play well. There's a big purpose underneath. There's a big why underneath it. You know, it's, it's somebody that maybe is working towards a career, you know, somebody that, that, that wants it deeply. It means a lot. You know, those, those guys, you know, for, for me, because it, it means a lot, it's a heightened emotion. The arousal levels are big. And when something has a sizable energy to it, you know, you need to be able to have high capability levels. What you find with the 1824 handicapper, it's more of the opposite end of the spectrum. It's a mild, mild annoyance. It's a frustration. It's nearly, oh, I wish I could do what I do in practice. Um, I wish I could just hit that shot that I just hit. It's an annoyance of, of consistency. And I think that leads to, you, you know, when something's niggly and it stays with you, it becomes more and more annoying. So it's a slow burning emotion that builds up. But I, I kind of feel you have to change the story, you know, with that level of golfer. Because how many times, you know, I mean, we've all coached, we, we get to coach some good players and stuff, but we all coach in the trenches, right? We, we've, we've been with anybody and everybody, anybody who wants to take a lesson in the day would get a, <laughs> would get, would get a lesson. And the biggest thing that people would come in and go, and you've heard this a million times, mm-hmm. make me more consistent, mm. Frosty. Make me more consistent. I need to be more consistent. And I learned quite a long time ago that I didn't really like the word because, uh, well, I think I got sick of it, heard it so often, and it was always a big performance trait. Oh, I need to be more consistent, more consistent. And I thought, what can I replace that word with? And ages ago, I replaced it with creativity. I want to be more creative. And even just those two sentences, they mean really different things. And I think if you're a, an 18 to 24 handicapper, don't crave the, the consistency that nobody even at the top of the game has. It doesn't exist. The ball goes all over the place. Even if people swing it pretty similar, they have a dispersion, the best players in the world. So when we're putting a minimum, minimum we're putting an hour a week and a couple of games in, consistency is not going to be there. But go for creativity. Can I curve the ball both ways? Can I hit it high and low? Can I hit it a bit harder, a bit softer? Because once you feel creative, I think you're not looking at the wrong and right again. I think you're starting to look at, you know, oh, it curved a bit. It curved a lot. You know, there's a more spectrum for you to be satisfied with the outcome. And I think that changing our story around all areas of the game is, it can be healthy because sometimes we get into a trait, into a rut of, of being perfectionists. You know, because so many I- I- ideal swings out there, so many good things to look at, so many positions that we're trying to emulate. 
and patterns and functions. Whereas if you just look at it and you go, okay, well, how am I evolving? And then what strategies am I using to evolve in, i.e. changing the word consistency, wiping it out and going, I'm just going to be creative. It's a very different personality as well, if you think about it. Mm. You know, if you think about uh, a very consistent down-the-line guy over, hey, I'm really creative. You know, it's kind of like I'm more fun. I'm, I'm better to be around. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to roll, roll the punches today. It could, it, it could curve and swerve. And sometimes when it curves and swerves, I'm trying to make that happen. Um, so that would be, yeah, that, that would be my, my feel with trying to get 18 handicaps to look at it a little differently. But, yeah, it's definitely the emotions at the top of the game require slightly different me- mechanisms to, to deal with it. You, know, you guys have been there. Yeah, and I think I think it's it's really interesting talking about, you know, as you say, shot making basically in there. And I think a lot of golfers will will go, well, I need to be of a certain level before I can do that. I mean, I'm, I'm an 18 handicapper. You want me to play a draw? I, I just want to hit it straight. <laughs> We're like, okay, well, we know how hard that is, but let's just understand what it takes to do these shots. And there's definitely a brighter future for them. And as far as I'm concerned, I think I remember it. This is back in the Three Hammers days when. We were doing some beginner classes and there was one particular guy in a class and he was really good. You know, he was pretty good. And I said to him, I said, look, you know, let, let's see if we can shape the ball. You know, let's, I'm just going to understand, you know, we can curve it in golf and that's a good thing to be able to do that. And he was like, well, surely that's for a, a more advanced golf. And I'm like, well, why not show you now? You have the ability to hit it now. So let's just go with it. So I really like that. And I think it's a really cool way for anyone listening who is going, I just want to be more consistent maybe they should say to himself, well, let's actually be a bit more creative. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. Kind of limiting beliefs, right? You know, I mean, the game sets itself up for us to have kind of controllable, you know, controllable behaviours around it. And I think the culture of the game is is right, wrong, as I say. I think the culture is, I just want to hit it straight. Yeah. Um, you know, imagine that with a, teaching a, a kid how to, how, how to play football. Mm. Well, all I want you to do is kick it in a straight line. Mm. You know, I want you to run in a straight line. Yeah. And it, it, the flow and the, the feel of sport is from understanding the, the spectrum, you know, the fast to slow, the, the, the curve, the straight, you know, yeah. whatever it is. And I, I, like, I like people to try and be skillful. And I think same again. It's, you know, it's a, it, it's a trait. If you can start saying, oh, I am reasonably skillful in some areas, you know, same again, it adds to, it, it adds to your self-confidence, you know, and you start to feel like you're, you're a different golfer. Because the panic is normally, the panic kicks in when that intuition kicks in and tells you that you're not going to hit this shot very good. And all of a sudden, then it's spite or flight. You know, you're in a panic stage, lots of chemicals releasing through the body, and, you know, whatever you do, it's not going to really be a good outcome. Whereas when your mind becomes more creative and you become skillful, you know, you're seeing pretty vivid outcomes. You know, you're feeling a lot more. And I think those things can, you know, we can grow into that and we mustn't be stifled that I'm not good enough. You know, I think that's a really poignant point, Piers. Yeah. You know, remove that limiting belief and say, well, I am good enough. You know, perhaps mm-hmm. I will upskill this year. You know, perhaps I will risk it for a biscuit a little bit more, stand on that range and curve the thing all over the place. And then yeah. look back and go, well, how am I doing it? You know, where are my thoughts? Where are my feelings to make that ball curve? Because I, I think we see like trajectories as, as errors. <laughs> and I, I, I see some people and you're like, he's definitely, he's fighting. He's got a lovely little 10, 15 yard pull. Mm. And he is fighting all year to, to hit a push draw. Yeah. Which I understand, look, it's going to look nice and mechanics are going to be better if we look at it from a traditional sense. But everything's going to look way better and you're probably going to hit better shots. But you do have this inherent, you know, swing signature or pattern that mm. actually gives you quite a high level of reg- regularity. So now it's just aim management, right? Absolutely. Yeah. If you know, if it's, if it's, if, if it's predictable, if you're saying, if you're coming oh. to a golf lesson going, all I ever do is hit this fade and, and sometimes a slice. Okay. Let's, let's, let's figure a way of doing it. So yeah. It's, no, quite, I think it's, it's, yeah. it's quite interesting this. Okay. I'm like, I'm a bit of a geek for this stuff. As, as, as you guys know, I've been like fascinated with, with it, which is probably why I didn't become, quite become the player I wanted to become, but mm. I love to know how it works. You know, what, what is it from thought to feeling to adjustment to sensation that's creating certain outcomes, certain flights, certain patterns? And I started to, I started to write this, um, this set of notes years and years ago, about, about 15, 16 years ago, on 
just trajectories and what I called inputs. And inputs were basically all the thoughts, the feelings, kind of the control deck that create different outcomes. So let me give you a really, really simple example. So I'd have one category called static adjustment. And static adjustment was if we change something in our address, what is the cause and effect without changing our thought of swing? So let's say, for instance, I've got a guy hitting it and he's hitting it a little left and he adjusts his ball position. He puts it one inch back and all of a sudden he hits a small push and it starts to curve back to the middle. Well, that static adjustment, if you could do it at an 80% level, eight times out of 10, and it gives something reasonably regular, that becomes, a, that becomes an answer. It becomes a, an input, a trigger for him to hit that particular shape. So if he's got a right-hand flag or you know, he feels that he needs to, to maybe hit something with a bit of a push draw, that might be a great way for him to trigger it. Whereas if he was exploring and trying to discover you know, a static adjustment in another area and he put the ball forward an inch and all of a sudden he's thin in air, he then hits one low off the face with a load of spin, that becomes an error. So we list that one and go, okay, ball forward, seven iron, no, that doesn't work. It doesn't give me anything regular. And take this to a broader spectrum, you know, it gets down to internalization, to what I'm seeing, to, you know, how I'm breathing, to where my imagination is, all the things you could possibly change as a human being, and then looking at the cause and effect. And I stopped doing this about a year ago, and it's a, I think it's at 780 inputs at the moment. <laughs> and I read do them every the- night. May, uh, I'll send them over. I'll send them over, Andy. January reading. There we go. Uh, I've memorized them all, obviously. About, about five of them. Yeah. Um, but what I do is I get people to do this because Sammy gets that same journey of exploration and discovery. You know, I get good players to do this. And we then lead that even into kind of act as if stuff, you know, changing persona, you know, looking at what different kind of guy you can be and then how that affects how you perform. And I find that is one area that the amateurs could really, really, you know, the, the weekend warrior, the golfer. Reminding yourself that you're a lot of different human beings rather than one could really, really help you on the golf course. Because I think sometimes we take the wrong version of ourselves out there. And I think sometimes we take the wrong version of ourselves for this particular scenario. Yeah, imagine you've got something, you, the scenario in the course you know you're a bit nervous with. So I don't like, like I, I don't like 40 yards. I like it close to the green, like it a little bit further, don't like 40 yards. For some reason, it just gives me a little bit of anxiety. I've brought up on links courses. I've changed my technique to be way more shallow and just somehow 40 has got lost. Um, imagine that scenario and you're feeling a bit anxious anyway. You know, you don't want to bring an intense version of yourself. You want to bring something soft, something light, a much more cheerful version of yourself to that moment that softens up your body, makes you relax a little bit. Somebody's a little bit happier. And perhaps that'll dispel, dispel the anxiety you have in that moment and help you to, to relax and, you know, get a little bit more right-sided with your, you know, how you actually, you know, produce the skill. And I think... So, sorry, just interrupting there. It's a yeah. very valid point because you know when you're playing golf with someone, if they've got a... If they're, if they're struggling in an area, you know before they're about to play that shot that they're going to hit a bad shot. Even if you've not, even if you've not met them before and they're yeah. over a three-footer and the way they're reacting over that three-footer, you're going, okay... This is normal. Sorry, this is different to what he's just done. So, yeah, sorry. I, 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 think, I think it's Tony Robbins says you can't cheat your physiology. There we go. And it, it says, um, and I, 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 I stand there and, you know, I've been nervous as, nervous as hell, you know, even standing, like hitting shots on the golf channel, you know, just like in an iconic studio for me. And I'm thinking, wow, I've always wanted to be here. <laughs> now I'm thinking, I want to be here. <laughs> um just wanted to let you guys know that we now have the Me and My Golf app ready for you to access myself and Pierce wherever you are on the go, even if you're at the range. This includes all of our best tips and content as well as the coaching plans. And we also have a great video analysis tool where you can record your golf swing and analyze your swing using the tools in the app. So make sure you check it out. Search for Me and My Golf in the App Store and we look forward to helping you wherever you are. Let's get back to the podcast. But it's, I need some of those triggers, some of those skills myself to be able to stand and speak to camera and, you know, just, just some things like that, that, that can get you, it just dispels a little bit of anxiety. And I think the different types of you, I've done it with tour players before and, and elite amateurs, just create a whole team of self. 
you know, different types of Dan, different types of peers, you know, how many different versions of you? Because like intuitively and, and instinctively in life, we have loads. We have the, the guy we are with our kids, the guy we are in a business meeting, the guy we are when we're, you know, out with the lads or we're taking the missus for, for dinner or whatever it is. We're a whole host of different, different characters and different people. And I know that's very kind of, it's very intuitive and it's very kind of automated. You know, we don't have to select that, but they do exist. So if you can be very aware of all the different types of you, you know, I, same as Andy, I, you know, I journal every day and I did Nick, Nick the particular book that he uses, which I much appreciated. It's been good for me. Um, but, but it's more, you know, I try and make sure I'm adaptable to every situation that, that I face. And I think we can all do that on the golf course, you know, try and be adaptable, try and pick the right version of you for this moment. Yeah. And it's kind of a bit mumbo jumbo sometimes that, all oh, right, yeah. You know, it's a spiritual thing, golf now, is it? Um, but for me, you know, if you bring the, the, the traits you have in life, the qualities from life, you know, I've, I've so often seen, you know, board members of, of big banks and CEOs not bring their skills out into the sporting arena. Mm-hmm. And you think, wow, your, your ability to cope, your mechanisms are magnificent and, and something to be admired. And you don't bring any of that to, you know, your hobby. You know, the thing you yeah. play at the weekend, you just bring raw frustration. And I think that's a very valid point again, because mm. if you and I've used this a lot myself, that if you say to somebody like that, a bank manager, CEO, whatever, you know, well, what do you do in your job to overcome this? Okay, well, let's think about doing that a little bit now. And 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 so I think that's a good point. But just going back to your your physiology and the different version of yourself. I mean, imagine let's let's talk about Bryson DeChambeau on the sixth at Bay Hill, you know, what he was doing as he's about to hit that shot. He's not going to do that over the five footer. He's got for birdie on the hole. So yeah, exactly. it, it, it's, you know, I think there's, there's definitely some good stuff in that. And no, that's, that's, that's really good. Um, and I think we've all stood on that tee as well. That's just, um, that, 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 <laughs> that line is just, that line is just scary. Well, he makes my- Rory look, he makes Rory look like a, Hundred yard hitter. <laughs> I stood with Martin Hall doing all the um, golf channel videos for for the um, sure speed on that tee, and the line I was hitting drivers on was a good, <laughs> was a good sixty degrees, maybe ninety degrees away from that nearly. Uh, um, I, I want to go a little bit into stats here as well, Dan, because I know you mentioned okay. it earlier, and we didn't talk about it too much. And for for an amateur golfer, again, listening to this, who's thinking, well, should I do stats? Is there a place for that? For you and your system and how you go about it, um, it's it, it. I've gone through a few different journeys with with this. I, I think the strokes gain stuff is, is 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 transformational, you know, in in how we look at it. I think we're looking at it through through a smarter pair of eyes now. I think it's more quantifiable. But but for me, I, I think to a certain degree, stats and goals can be a little bit a little bit distracting. You know, you could kind of be trying to chase the outcome a, a little too much. You know, I, I kind of, I trust a human being and his intuition a little bit to know where we're lacking capability, not just the number. Mm-hmm. And I certainly do that through through what I feel, how I see things, the state of nervousness it creates or the state of arousal excitement. I'm really looking forward to this particular skill. I, I sometimes also look and go, well, what am I drawn to? You know, if, I, if I'm drawn to particular shots, as you said earlier, these are the ones I like. Well, you know, I'll definitely try and create a strategy around around using those. Um, but stats, stats are helpful to show progression. You know, I, I definitely think that there's four, four kind of stages to your daily performance, you know, from my perspective. And this is with elites, but it, it's, it resonates through, through amateurs as well. Is, you know, there's a state of preparation. Um, you know, for me, it's very much rehearsal state before we go out. You know, we play all, t- all 18 hate holes on the range. We then hit our plan B is to hit 18 pitches and chips. And then, you know, we hit 18 appropriate putts, um, really immersing ourselves into, you know, what sort of proximity would I be from the flag, you know, if everything goes well. And then from there, it's very much into performance. Performance for me is, you know, trying to stay in each shot and just grading each shot as you go along rather than thinking too much about how many under, how many over I am. You know, I have something called story of the hole um, with performance, which is trying to make the hole a number. You know, it's kind of, well, if it's 400, it's it's 300, leaves 100. You know, it's a 10-foot approach. And I look at that and go, okay, well, 
that's setting a bar, that's setting a standard. You know, you can create your own story, your own mechanism for story. Um, you can use your distance off the tee, what that leaves you, and then your expectation against, you know, particular yardages, even if you said 10% into yards rather than obviously my 10%, you know, I transfer into feet. And numbers are universal. They travel. You know, if you think about it, golf ball spends most of the time in the air. Um, so whatever the terrain is, you know, the air is not that different. Um, so if you can hit it kind of, you know, 250 through the air and you hit it 150 through the air, you know, you're going from kind of airport to airport, you know, moment to moment. And I think, you know, for me, I'm very much, this is just a 400-yard hole. This is just a 300-yard hole. This is just a, a 154 hole. And keeping that language makes the golf course just seem like it's a bunch of numbers. And then from there, really, you know, I like to grade things like performance state-wise rather than, as I said, thinking about, you know, my state is going really well and I'm, I'm way ahead or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm way behind. I try and think that, you know, every shot's just an A, B or a C. Yeah, A, it's a good outcome. B, it's an acceptable outcome. And C, it's an unacceptable outcome. And I try and really simplify, you know, try and just make it that as you as you go around. Otherwise, you're in such a state of in-play reflection that you start to search at the wrong time. And then from there, you know, after performance, you know, when we tally up all those A, Bs and Cs, um, we get a pretty good appreciation of what happened in the round. Um, but for me, you know, the next thing is, is reflection. You know, and reflection is just taking those Cs Going back to the range, let's say you've got, you're a good player and you had six C's in a round of golf. You go back to the range and you go, okay, well, C number one, what, am I, what would I have done differently? You know, was it a bad decision or was it a poor execution? And you stand there and you go, actually, it was a bad decision. You know, I, I, it was the wrong shape and it was the wrong, it was the wrong club. And you stand there and you make a better decision, you replay it. And you say, okay, well, the C just became a B. That was actually all right. And then you might take the next one and you go, okay, well, the next one, that was a C, it was a pitch, and it was a poor execution. So it came down to concentration. You stand there, you try and imagine the shot again, you set it up in the same way, and you perform it with a bit more flow. You know, you don't take so long. And you go, okay, that was an A. Yeah, that was a good turnaround. Mm -hmm. And by reflecting straight after something, Jack Nicklaus used to say this. He used to say the best practice I'd ever had was when I first came off the golf course. And I, I remember reading that like years when I was really young. And I used to practice like hell when I came off in the wrong way, normally with frustration and trying to beat balls and, you know, just trying to get better through raw, you know, just raw effort. But it is a good time. And once that reflection's done, if you create that cycle of I've performed, I've reflected, I've actually now added a practical element to my reflection, not just an emotional one. Well, you've kind of righted, you've righted some of the wrongs of your day. Not that I like right and wrong, but you've righted some of the things that you were dissatisfied with. And then the last bit, getting back to, to where you were with, with stats and analysis, the last thing of the day is to analyze. And analyzing is just looking at, at areas you need to upskill. You know, are there glowing skill deficits that you just know are just commonalities that aren't there on a regular basis? And that's why I like stats. You know, is there an area where you're just inept? And it goes back to the start of our conversation today. You know, that's the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, that's where you want to. That's where you want to start. You don't want huge deficits in skill yeah. and deficiencies. Yeah, just you're going to have to have so much avoidance in your strategy, and that will lead you to making some pretty poor decisions. But those four four ideas really of yeah. you know how do I prepare? Prepare. What do I do regularly in performance? How do I reflect and then how do I analyze and what those four things do for you? And you can see I like the number four because four seems to come up in most of the things I do. Um, I shout four a lot. We shout it, yeah. That's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see, I got in before you there, guys. I love, I love the reflection, the analysis part, because I think certainly on the reflection, I think most golfers would come up around and not really know um, not really know what the what the actual root cause of the, the issue was. Let's say they've missed a green on hole number two, um, but not really understood that it was a poor decision online and club selection, for instance. They just might think that, it, that it's not even in their memory that it's a it's that that's caused the issue. They might just think a bit of bad shot. Whereas if they really looked, at it, from, oh, if they really looked at it from an honest 
stand you know, on. just a chip. <laughs> that, that, that's yeah, the thing exactly. <laughs> if they really looked at it from an open and honest standpoint and gone, well, actually, yeah, it was a tight line. It was a poor decision from a line. The club selection was wrong as well. And then, then, then you say, Dan, go and execute that shot as well and turn the, turn it from a C to a B. <clears throat> First of all, you're going to have so much more confidence when you're back on that tee again because you've actually experienced the shot in a better way. But you're starting to understand the mistakes and the errors that you're making rather than just going off your emotions, going, I, I hit a bad shot there or I hit another bad shot there. But you're actually getting down to the, the root causes and the learning behind a whole round and going... I can start to see some patterns here. That was a decision. That was that was maybe the that was maybe just a poor execution of the shot, maybe a ball striking issue there that I need to address or whatever it might be. You get some real understanding about the game. And I certainly think that is a, a huge part that a lot of listeners to this won't necessarily break down if they give themselves half an hour after a round to go, let me really take on board what 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 that round looked like and, yeah. and what I can learn from it. I think it's a, it's a huge one. No, you're, you're, it's really poignant, really poignant. I think, I think the other thing, you know, it's to, it's to have the tools and the resources around you as well. You know, I say players because I've, I've worked with players most of the time, but it, they all have a process book, you know, that they carry with you. And it has your keys to preparation. It has your keys. It has a, you fill out every shot in the book, you know, so you're constantly recording. You record your reflections, you know, and you show the, how you've shifted the trajectory of that. So you've changed the trend. And we also go, well, how may have that affected the score? You know, those five five Cs that you've replayed, you know, what does it actually mean? And it has to be a, a little bit speculative, you know. It's not quite objective. It's a bit more subjective. But it doesn't harm to know that actually in three or four moments of a round of golf, you, know, you make a five or six shot swing, you know, and your satisfaction of, of the outcome of your score would be would be so so much more, so much happier, so much more desirable. And it's those little moments that, that are the key. But you're having resources, you know, making yourself a notebook. Um, I'm happy to post my my process book on online, you know, for 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 people to see. It's not it's it's not war and peace. It's pretty simple. It's a it's pretty much a fill out book. But even if it's not my way, you know, and and, and I'm very much into it's got to be your way because um, the ownership of it is good when people create their own mechanisms and their own systems. You know, they tend to stick to them, become ritual as as such. Um, yeah, that's really, really important. And it, it stops us from being too emotional and too, too reactive. Um, but it is quite interesting because I was speaking, I, I'm starting to work across sports a little bit now and I've really gone into kind of that human science side of things of, you know, the 1% of the 1%, you know, it's what, what I've been writing a book about. And, and it's kind of, you know, how do you, how do you get the best out of, out of people? And I've been doing a little bit of work in, in football and it's early days and I'm probably learning more than I'm giving, if I'm honest, at the moment. Um, but it is fascinating, this moment of reflection. You know, if you look at a decision making and concentration, those are the two things that are generally there in sport. Those are, those are the critical success factors. You know, if you imagine a footballer, he can often go back and look at five moments in the game where he could have either made a different decision or had a little bit more focus. And it would have changed the outcome of the score. And then if you look at 11 guys and you go, okay, all 11 of you, you know, you take five moments. And if you can get them to practically start to improve that rather than reviewing that the next day and thinking, where would I, when it's, when it's still emotional, when it's still, you know, in your mind, when it's still very clear, you know, the, the brain adapts really well to that stuff. Because it's like, oh, oh, I'm in this situation again. And what will happen is you'll become very reactive at some stage when you've messed it up four or five times but you're able to get the answer afterwards. Well, at some stage, your behavior will kick in and go, it will just recognize that situation and you'll make a better decision or you'll be more heightened to focus in that moment. And, you know, it, at the top of that game, you know, in Premiership football, it's massive. You know, I, I was, uh, I've become a bit of a Bournemouth fan living down in, in Sandbanks. So I was listening to Scott Parker talk last night in his post-interview. And he just, he was basically saying just the lads concentrated at the end. You know, they've really fought for it. They're really concentrated because they've given away so many recently, have given away leads. And if you think about it, it has to come from some form of reflection. They have to have got together as a collective and gone, what are we going to do differently when we're in this situation? And I think the same resonates with golfers. Because I, I, I always say to kids I teach, you know, I'm, I'm working with one young girl at the moment who's super impressive. 
she's got a great great scholarship to uh, to a really good school in the states and she goes in about a year's time and she's brilliant she's smart she's uh, ex-gymnast but brilliant brilliant girl great fun we've done all the building of skills you know she's got all these these lovely attributes swings it great hits it good she's now got some emotional regulation you know she can handle handle the situation and we're basically this whole year we're now working on do you have the answers to hit it from anywhere on the golf course? And we mean anywhere, anywhere, everywhere, any trajectory, any shape, any distance. You know, do you have the answers to do it? And I was listening to your, um, I was listening to you guys with with um, Sean Cox from um, from the Grand, which is a great podcast. If anybody hasn't listened to it, do, do go and listen to it. And what and what looks like a brilliant app as well uh, for for just randomizing practice. Amazing app. I've been doing that on bits of paper for such a long time. You have no idea. Um, but what really came from that is being ready for anything, being ready for every scenario. It certainly really reduces the, the layer of fear that we have with golf. That I'm, oh, no, I've hit it there, and I haven't got that. And you still go for it because none of us have got the intelligence not to, not, not to have a go when, you know, when we can reach a green from somewhere. Um, and I think that's... That's really key for me, you know, looking at, at decision making and, and, and concentration and then looking at, you know, scenario. You know, how does that space, how does it change how I feel about the scenario? And that's, yeah. Don't I, you think, though, Dan, don't you think, though, that golfers are just hoping, they're getting on the golf course and going, please, today, I just want everything to go my way. I look, well, I want, I want... you hit it for a while, Andy, but I should imagine that's what you're going through, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But they are the one that's like, come on, please let today be the day. I want to play my best game. I don't want to have any mistakes. And in, in, instead of having that approach and, and, and going, right, well, look, I know that golf is just all over the place. It's random. It's chaos. It's mental out there. I'm not going to hit great shots all the time. So therefore, how can I best prepare myself for the chaos that golf is? How can I put myself in a really just messed up scenario and know that I've got the skills when I'm faced with it out on the golf course that allows me to be more free over that six iron that I've got to a, a tight right flag where you don't want to miss it right. But actually, you know, you practice the skill, therefore it frees you up a little bit more to, to play better. And it's I think it's such a key component. Instead of hoping to have the perfect round, prepare yourself for a messy round. It's like prepare yourself for that chaos. And it just changes everything, I think, if you have that mindset. Be comfortable with it. You know, I kind of, I, I say to people, you, you know, it's, uh, why do you why do you have a short game? You know, it, it's there to be tested at some stage. You know, I even say to young kids, at some stage you're going to miss, you are going to miss 17 greens and you still shoot one under if you want. You know, mm -hmm. it, it, it's still doable if you go with the right, the right attitude. And I think attitude's a big thing. I think being ready for something definitely creates a, a different story again. You know, just not thinking that I have to play well and, and putting this this stack on yourself of, oh, I really hope, I really have to, I really must, I really should. You know, just changing that into sometimes just changing it around and go, I'm going to enjoy the challenge of all the shots and hopefully it's going to teach me that what to practice would be good. But I also think it's, yeah, maybe just give it a bit of match of the day. You know, try and look at not your score, but look at your highlights. You know, we're we're so good at and vivid at, at looking at what we did, what we do wrong, and and I think from a from a reflection perspective, you have to do that. But after reflection with players, I'm always kind of like, how many A's did you have today? Yeah, and I and I say to kids, I mean, we we do it all the time. I don't prepare for the standard of today. I prepare for the standard of the future. So I don't make them par machines. And I'm not interested in a, a 14, 15 year old shooting 72 and being super safe and you know having one flight and one and one set of skills. I'm more I'm I'm way more interested in you know a, a 14, 15 year old being able to make six birdies, you know, and shoot 76. I don't I don't, I don't care, you know. And it's out there. It's 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 the question on to how do I make birdie here? You know, it's it's the questions we ask and how we look at things. You know, the lens that we look at things through. You know, really dictates because if you are working with elite kids, it's kind of the future of the game. Already, you've got to shoot in the, the minus twenties to win. You know, what's it going to be like? In a, what's it going to be like in the future when they're there? 
you know, you're going to have to make in eight or nine birdies around to win to win a tournament. Same with the guys, same with the girls. So you've got to get comfortable with this idea of how to overpower a hole. You know, what are my traits that that give me success? How many of these holes can I birdie? And I think if you take that back a layer and you say, okay, the 18, let's say it's the 18 handicapper. Well, his birdie is a par. So you might say, he might say, so how do I par this? You know, whereas a tour player is going, how do I birdie this hole or make eagle? He might say, well, how do I make a par? And he should have a, he should have a par chart. You know, that would be a good stat. If you're of 18, have a par chart. You know, can you par nine holes? What's your, what's your PB? You know, take it like a gym situation. What's your PB on pars? What's your PB on, on birdies? And talk about that stuff a lot. You know, when you come in, don't, you know, don't go in a pro shop and bore the hell out of the assistant by running through every hole. Go and, um, you know, just go and say, hey, yeah, great day. You actually PB'd on pars today. I made 11. Not you wanged it out of bounds on 18 to lose the tournament. But it's that sort of idea of looking at the positives that, that have happened. And you'd be surprised when your stories change, you know, you, you change. And I think that especially the, the kind of the traditional attitudes of the people that knock it round in the, the, mid, the, mid, the, the high 80s and the mid 90s, you know, generally they're trying to. So they're getting they're getting kind of what they want to do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I know well, that I sounds, know it sounds horrible. And I know it sounds like I'm saying, oh, you know, you're trying to score that, so you are. Mm-hmm. But if you sit back and think, you probably are, because your handicaps are labelled to start off with. So here's one. Here's a, here's one to really break the game of golf. Let's remove handicaps. Let's not even have them. Mm-hmm. How many people would score better? Not knowing you're top twenty-eight. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Totally I, like that. I like that very simple question as well. How can, and it's, it sounds really simple and basic that does Dan, how can, how can I shoot par here? But if the average golfer asks themselves that question, they might even just think about that hole a little bit differently in terms of, well, okay, well, if I really wanted to make par here, would I hit driver off the tee on this par four that's got a narrow, um, a narrow fairway with a bunker on the left. It's like, it just helps them understand what actually really do I need Where's the danger? It just it opens up a whole world of things if, if they ask that very simple question. But turn it back into a number as well. You know, realistically, if you're playing off the right tees, which you should be, you know, something we can take from the States and bring to, to the UK, definitely. Um, if you're playing off the right tees and your par four is, you know, let's say it's 400 yards and you can hit it 250, you know, I think the average handicap, average distance for a for an 18 handicap, I think stat-wise is, is 240, 250, somewhere around there. I think people still hit it reasonably long. I don't know that stat, but I think I read it somewhere, so I'm trying to retract it. Let me know. <laughs> um, but it's just a number again, isn't it? You know, Can you hit it kind of 240, 250, and then 150? If I gave you two balls on a range, yeah. Yeah, you can hit it somewhere in play at 240, and I can definitely carry the ball 150 yards. And the, the targets aren't small. They're only small if you aim at the edge of them. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, that that's a good way to look at it. Can I two-putt from 30 foot? You know, can I chip and putt from just off the green? Yeah, that's your, that's your resources and your skills that, that allow you to make pars. And it'll be a par where you do it traditionally and maybe you hit two good long shots. Or you might do it in a bit more of a skillful way where, you know, you, you hit a good long shot, you hit a poor long shot and you hit a good recovery and you, you make a nice putt. You know, that's you've got to you've got to have different ways of doing it. And you've got to yeah. be open and acceptable with those that it's not a negative that I've missed the green. It's a, it's an opportunity. I think that's what kind of Andy was alluding to earlier. You know, it doesn't matter if you're short sided or you're in a bad posi- position. If you've got a basic function to chip it up and over something with a reasonable amount of, of control, you you're probably gonna have a putt for par. And mm-hmm. and what a great thing, another stat for for average golfers, how many putts for par did I have? And I know it doesn't sound that glamorous, but it's still kind of a neat thing again. Yeah, mm-hmm. how many putts? How many how many putts did I have for par? Yeah. And those kind of stats for me would be more more helpful. And, uh, and answering your question from earlier, I think the stroke gains and the stats at the top of the game, yeah, yeah, they do show you. They do show you some. They do give you some solid information on where we need to upskill okay. and the refinements for good players. But I think, you know, just dumbing it down a little bit is probably a good way to go for, for some of us. And, you know, if it was me just coaching a, coaching somebody that just, just really wanted to get a shot better at hole, mm. 
you know, I just create a really basic, simple set of skills that that really cover as many of those scenarios that that they face as possible. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So let's just let's just talk a little bit about maybe again the the, the person listening to this now they they get to practice maybe once a week and they they're aware that they want to make some changes to their move to their to their technique. How do how do you go about getting someone who is making a swing change or a a, a move, a difference in their move? How can you get them to integrate that into playing golf? Because it's obviously, then again, it's kind of it's organisation of of practice. You know, I mean, we can talk about the science of of learning. You know, of of how stimulated we are with 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 block practice into into random practice. You know, into what I call rehearsal states um for me really it's i kind of i try and interleave a little bit so i don't say okay proportion one of the practices you're going to just going to work on your swing for the first 25 balls then you're going to move on to another activity then you're going to move to another activity i'm more into i might do two balls on working on the sensation i might say then give up thinking just walk in look and do to see if it's seeping into your flow state, into you know, into the right side of your brain a little bit, something's a bit more automated. And then I'll create one more ball and I'll do that against a situation. I'll go into rehearsal state. And then I'll go back to the, the two, the two feelings again. And I'll tend to just spin that round and round, but always changing club. You know, never just making the pattern of movement with with the same club. You know, the best best thing you can do at the range, and I do see a few people doing this. Get to the range and get all your clubs out. You know, don't just stick your bag there. Get your clubs out, put them against the edge, and then get the balls and put the balls on the back wall. So you have to go and get one each time. So you've just got a little bit of a break in, in kind of scrape and hit. And then just have a strategy. You know, go, okay, two balls. What is it I'm working on? Okay, I'm working on uh, weight more forward so I hit the ball in the turf. Okay, so you've got kind of a downhill thought. Iron play is downhill in your mind two shots of that oh, I trapped it I trapped it and then you then you move it from there of okay now just kind of relax and go did it come out similar yeah 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 it came out a bit lower that felt better a bit, bit different off the face and then you go okay well let's now imagine this club is a seven iron I've got one five four it's a back flag I'm going to pitch this in the middle of the green let it let it run up stand behind pre-shot routine try and use your imagination visualize the shot in some way walk in feeling nice and calm, perform it. That's your one set done. Club goes down, balls are nowhere near you, so you can't get into that horrible repetition state. And you go again, you get four iron out, and you go, okay, well, okay, same again. Let's try and put some pressure on the ball with a four iron, wait forward early, boom, yeah, got it, got it. And and that's a good way to start to transfer skill without thinking that I've got to do this heap of block work, and then I've got another job to transfer it. You're kind of doing it on the go. That would be that'd be my advice to to, to a standard golfer, definitely. 